Hello everyone, welcome to another time on this gospel and I remain Kizil on Pedro and like always I just want to re-emphasize on some things which are very very important and very needful. So we are still on the cause, the topic, the cross and before we delve in let me just say that God is not angry with anyone, he is not judging anyone, God is love and typically speaking, he seeks your good, he seeks your benefit. He said that the thoughts he has towards you are thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you a hope and a good end, a good destination. That is the God who who I know, the God of Jesus Christ. And if you are a Muslim, a Hindu, or whatever religion you belong to, God is not condemning you. He doesn't want to force you to believe him. He wants you to believe by understanding. And so it's okay. It's okay to look for answers before believing. Alright, just listen to the podcast and gain understanding and gain insights and ask questions. And if you're a believer and you've peradventure um, falling falling into some kind of mistake one way or the other, God is not condemning you. He says that if any of you sin, you have an advocate, Jesus the righteous. So Jesus is advocating for you. As we have previously spoken about in our previous podcast, that God had laid the, the sin of the entire world on Jesus. So therefore, he's not imputing your sin against you, nor is he imputing the sins of um, those who haven't believed in him yet against them. Alright? Amen. Let's proceed. So today, we'll be looking at um, this question. What is the relationship between Jesus on the cross and the Old Testament offerings? I come again. What is the relationship between Jesus on the cross and the Old Testament offerings? Glory to God. Now, let me say this. Everything everything we see in the New Testament is is truth, is light. And everything in the Old Testament is a foreshadow of that which was to happen when Christ came. By that I mean all the religious sacrifices, all the um, religious activities we're pointing onto Jesus Christ. Okay, let, let, let's take a scripture quotation to prove that or to show what I'm talking about. Colossians chapter 2. Give me a moment, let me go there. Colossians chapter 2. From verse 16, Colossians 2 verse 16. And it says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holiday of the new moon of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Now, what Paul was saying is that um, everything that was ritualistic or traditional in the Old Testament was a shadow or was a prophecy of the person, Jesus Christ. All right, so today we'll be looking at the relationship between Jesus on the cross and the Old Testament offerings. All right, so studying the Old Testament might be a little bit difficult when not viewed through the lens of the cross. So, misunderstanding may propagate or be further empowered without proper interpretation from the cross. Yeah, that's very, that's very, you know, it's 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 really important that we look at the Old Testament through the lens of the cross. Otherwise, we would just we would have a marred a marred understanding of the things that actually happened in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God foreshadowed the cross of Christ through certain religious sacrifices. Yeah? 
Very true. And let me read out something. Now, I wrote this. The Jews had a high priest who selected two goats, one for a sin offering and one as a scapegoat. The goat for the sin offering was to be killed and its blood offered on the mercy seat, which is really the Ark of the Covenant, all right? Within a section of the temple called the Holy of Holies. Now, God accepting this sin offering will be likened to God accepting that the Israelites were right in His sight. Now, let me let me, let me put it like this. Now, back in the Old Testament, there was the person called the high priest, which I've already mentioned. That high priest was the one that God put in charge for offering sacrifices for sin to Him. All right? So now, the people would bring a sin offering and a scapegoat offering. The sin offering will be brought to the high priest, yeah, and the high priest would slaughter this sin offering and then burn it in the holies of holies in God's presence within the ark on the ark of the covenant. Yeah, so now when God accepts that offering, is the same thing as God accepting that the 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 person's sin had been laid on the sin offering. Yeah, and then now that person is now sinless. It's like a transference of sin. So the person would come and lay his hands on the sin offering. That's that's the practice. When you bring your sin offering, you lay hands on the sin offering, and then your sin will be transferred to the sin offering. Then the, the sin offering will be killed, and the blood taken into the holies of holies and offered as a sin offering, as a propitiation unto God, as, as a price for your sin unto God. So that means that sin offering has been killed in your place. So righteousness will be imputed unto the Israelites or the sinful person on account of the blood of the pure and blameless sacrifice. That is the pureness of the goat was imputed to the Israelites, just as in the case of Jesus and us. Now the second goat, however, was dealt with a bit differently, foreshadowing the works of the cross properly. Let's check Leviticus 16 verse 21 to 23 and yeah. And then we'll look at verse 30. Verse 21 says, And Aaron shall lay both his hands. He's talking about the scapegoat now. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Now notice this. Aaron would come and lay his hands upon the scapegoat and then transfer the sins of the entire Israelites upon the scapegoat. Now notice, this scapegoat is portraying Jesus. What, what Jesus Christ came to do, in which God laid all our sins on Jesus on the cross. Alright? And then took him, took him into the realm of the dead. Which here is saying that, um, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him, that is send the goat away, far into the wilderness. So Jesus Christ took our sins far into the wilderness, away from us. Now this goat was a type and shadow of the sacrifice of Jesus in years to come. So that means even in those years, God was showing that a sacrifice would come and take away the sins of the world. And these things were shown in the, ritualist, in, in the rituals done by the children of Israel long ago by their sacrifices. All right? So they, back then they received the forgiveness of sins by faith in their sacrifice. 
Notice they had a high priest, and we we also have a high priest, Jesus. They had a sacrifice to goats. We also have a sacrifice, Jesus. Alright? So they had a sin offering. We have a sin offering, Jesus. They had a scapegoat offering. You have a scapegoat offering, Jesus. All the sacrifices, burnt sacrifice, peace, peace offering. It's all a picture of Jesus Christ. Alright? Now let's check, let's look at verse 22. That's Leviticus 16, verse 22. It says, And the goat shall be upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let the let go the goat in the wilderness. Notice the, the goat will bear all the sins of the Israelites into the wilderness, and they will leave him there. So it's just like them saying Jesus Christ bore all our sins unto the wilderness, and he and he was left there. Glory to God. Now sacrifice bore all. The sacrifice bore all of their iniquities away unto a land not inhabited. Ours does much more better. Ours removes sin out of this world into hate. Jesus did not only only forgive sins. Jesus did not only cover sins. Jesus removed sin from the world. Let me say this categorically. That Jesus was the Lamb of God who came to take away, remove the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Past, present and future. Glory to God. That means God doesn't see you, see any sin you're committing as, as you. He doesn't impute sin onto you because Jesus Christ has removed the responsibility of sin being imputed to you. It's on the lamb that was slain, which is Jesus. Alright? So their sacrifice provided covering for sin, sins for one year. Let me say this again. Alright? The children of Israel, their sacrifice provided covering for sin just for one year. But ours cleanses from sin eternally. Ours removes sins eternally, forever. Let's go to Hebrews 10, verse 1 and verse 12. It says this, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make commas thereunto perfect. Now, this is talking about the sacrifices, that the sacrifices could not make the worshippers, those who were offering them, to be perfect. They came yearly because it did not make them perfect. Verse 12 says, But this man, speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So he's telling us that Jesus Christ offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Meaning that there's, there, meaning that there's, no, there's no more need to come and offer more sacrifices because Jesus has, Christ has taken away all of your sins. He has made a perfect sacrifice that takes away sins forever. Don't worry about sin because Jesus Christ has taken it out forever. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus offered, Hebrews 10, 12, I quote again, Jesus offered himself once to take away, to, to take away our sins forever. Jesus Christ offered himself once to take away your sins forever. That there's no more sacrifice for sins anymore. Some people are trying to use apology to win God's forgiveness, being unaware of the fact that Jesus is God's answer to sin. That's the truth. He's taking away your sins. Your apology for forgiveness is not needed. You don't have to apologize to God to forgive you for sins. He has forgiven you when Jesus bore your sins on the cross. That was his forgiveness. Now, you can apologize in the sense that you're communing with your father, relating with God. But if you're trying to apologize so that God will forgive you, it doesn't work that way. Because he has forgiven you even before you ask. His forgiveness 
was given sins on the cross and not when you asked or confessed your sins. Hallelujah. What is needed is your remembrance and faith in the sacrifice. Just as the children of Israel did back then. They had faith in their goats, in their sin offering, in their goats, in the pureness, in the blamelessness of their sacrifice. In the same way, you need to have faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, that Jesus Christ was a perfect sacrifice and took away your sins into the land of the dead. So there's no more condemnation for you. Glory to God. If you want to believe in Jesus, uh, our time here is up. You want to believe in Jesus and receive his life into your heart. Just repeat after me. Father, I thank you for Christ had borne my sins away into the land of the dead. I receive your life, your eternal life, and I am born again in Jesus' name. Amen. In the same vein, if in the same vein, if paraventure you've sinned against, uh, you've done something wrong, and you are um, you are feeling condemned, just want you to know that God is not condemning you. That Christ was a payment for all of your sins, past, present, and future. That Christ has paid in full and in advance for every sin that you would ever commit or think of committing. Amen. Just receive his love afresh. Let's take the closing benediction. Repeat after me. My sins are forgiven. I am righteous in Jesus Christ. I experience new Christian realities by the power of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. See you again next time.